Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Justin Sterner with Justin Sterner Farms in Plainview, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Washington lawmakers are looking for more money to fund the farm bill. Plus, if you're a Texas dairy farmer who's had to dump milk over the last three years, there's a new program you may want to check into. We'll have those stories coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The summer crop season in the Texas High Plains is winding down and things are not turning out like we'd hoped. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Texas South Plains cotton producers are feeling the brunt of the extended drought and excessive heat on their 2023 crops. I'm Tom Nicoletti and we'll have a report on the difficult situation facing West Texas farmers on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Senate Agriculture Chair Debbie Stabenow is looking at commodity credit corporation dollars as a viable cushion to help supplement scarce farm bill dollars. Stabenow told farm reporters outside the Senate chamber last week that she and ranking ag Republican John Bozeman appealed to USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack for trade promotion dollars from the CCC. At the top of the list of all the hearings we've done has been trade promotion marketing assistance to help be able to sell our products overseas. And so we've asked the secretary to uh, provide dollars to the CCC to meet that need mm-hmm. and to do it quickly so we're not waiting till the end of the year. And by doing so, cushioning a farm bill whose funding the budget committees won't increase. We're looking for every way to expand um, funding to get things done for uh, for our farmers. And so we'll see what they determine in terms of the amount of money from the CCC, but I expect if the sector is able to do it, that it will be robust funding. Stabenow says up to $30 billion in CCC dollars is available for commodity efforts like the Market Assistance Program and McGovern Dole Humanitarian Assistance. If you had to dump milk over the last three years because of a weather event, there's a new program you may want to sign up for. 
Dairy farmers who suffered weather-related losses in 2020, 2021, and 2022 may now apply for assistance through USDA's Milk Loss Program. Sign up for the program opened Monday. The program offers assistance for eligible dairy operations for milk that was dumped or removed from the commercial market without compensation due to qualifying weather events that inhibited delivery or storage. Those events may include drought, wildfires, winter storms, excessive heat and floods that may have caused power outages, impassable roads, and infrastructure losses. The deadline to apply at a USDA service center is October 16th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. There's a new podcast that Texas cattle producers may want to check out. The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association announced the launch of the School for Successful Ranching podcast. It's a limited six-part educational podcast exploring modern best management practices for animal health, nutrition, pasture and wildlife management, genetics, and more. The podcast features ranchers discussing the challenges and benefits of various management practices on their own operations. Again, it's called the School for Successful Ranching Podcast, produced by TSCRA. The summer crop season on the Texas High Plains is winding down. James Hunt tells us things are not turning out like farmers had hoped. Back in the spring, Texas High Plains farmers were feeling fairly optimistic about the new season. We were getting a lot of rain. There were some complications like delayed planting and even some prevented planting, but having our long drought come to an end was very inspiring. Unfortunately, there's been a very unhappy change of fortune since then, and Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says, Overall, crops are worse than expected. What happened to cause such disappointment is the hot, dry summer that followed our encouraging spring. The prolonged spell of extremely high temperatures and significantly below normal rainfall hit area crops at the worst possible time. There's never a good stage to stress corn and we get to these hot periods later in the year and we start to see lots of kernel abortion. And so we could have everything right at the beginning in the middle of the season and we get to this heat. And if that plant cannot keep up with its crop water demand, it's gonna start aborting kernels. And as for cotton, Dr. Bell says, A lot of our cotton that got off to a good start because we had that rain in late May and June was under extreme stress. And when those plants are under stress, they start shedding those bowls and even later flowers that might make a harvestable bowl. Of course, this week our weather has taken another big turn. Temperatures suddenly a lot cooler and some good rains around the region too. But Dr. Bell says don't expect too much. This rain is not going to help rebound and producers are not going to see a significant yield boost. It's just going to save them maybe from a little more yield loss. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas South Plains cotton producers are feeling the brunt of the extended drought and heat on this 2023 cotton crop. Tom Nicoletti looks at the difficult situation in West Texas. 
out to West Texas we go, and uh, Eddie Griffiths is standing by for our report this week. And uh, Eddie, uh, cotton farmers uh, certainly are scratching their heads about this year's uh, crop, and uh, irrigating uh, of that crop is ongoing at this time because the rain is certainly not falling. You're exactly right, Tom. It's kind of like the old analogy sad singing and slow marching out here as far as this cotton crop is concerned. It turned out to be so promising in the spring. The first of summer, we were getting ample rain. It was getting this crop established and started, and then the rug pretty much got pulled out from under us. Consecutive 100 degree plus days and lack of moisture has really played a toll on this year's cotton crop. And as we sit here, first of September crop starting to open up, especially the dryland portion of it. We really don't look for that till the middle or end of September to start thinking about harvest aids and getting those out there. Probably the other concern is really cannot put a harvest aid out there. It's just too dry to get that plant to take in anything. So definitely scratching our heads as far as the cotton crop is concerned, especially the dry land portion, the irrigated portion. We're still irrigating it, trying to get as much bowl fill as we can possibly get. But there's just nothing in that profile to help subsidize that irrigation. I'm not quite sure how much good we're doing with the irrigation, but we're we're still trying and going to try to make it to the finish line. So defoliation of the crop, especially the dryland crop, uh, could be difficult. Oh, it's extremely difficult. You've got two concerns there. You get some irrigation and you probably see a lot of that dryland crop start tossing off what little it has on it as far as fruit on there, which a dryland crop, what I've looked at, you're probably lucky to have two, three, four, maybe five bowls on there. But for the most part, it's it's going to be a couple of bowls. And I don't see producers putting that expense in, especially right now, even though the crop's opening up. And again, you get moisture in here and that plant tries to start growing again. It's just not a good situation for the dry land right now. So Eddie, when will the cotton harvest start up? That's going to be a good question. A lot of the dry land, I could see it possibly three weeks or so, but it's going to depend on Mother Nature and and what we see here. I think we might have some moisture in the forecast. Producers, they start seeing some of it opening up. They'll have some formula they're going to go by, see half of that plant, three quarters of it open. They've got to make some kind of decision to go ahead and get it out of there. Eddie, thanks for your report. Thank you, Tom. That is Eddie Griffiths. He is reporting today from Lubbock County in West Texas. Dove hunting season in the South Zone opens this week. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I have a few dove hunting safety tips coming up on Texas Ag Today. And fall calving beef cows are beginning to calve in this hot summer heat. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. 
The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Fall calving beef cows are now beginning to calve. Dr. Bob Judd says that can be a problem in this hot weather we've been having. The problem is the effect these temperatures have on newborn calves. Fall calving may be easier in several ways as the weather is generally better. However, when it is this hot, it can create unhealthy conditions for calves. The thermoneutral zone for a calf is 50 to 77 degrees Fahrenheit, and this increased temperature also affects the cows. Cows calving in this heat become exhausted and overheated sooner in the calving process and may have difficulty calving compared to cows calving in cooler temperatures. The calving process may require more time, which could lead to decreased survival of the calves. It is important to realize that heat stress is harder on young calves than cold stress. As with heat stress, these calves have a decreased appetite, which decreases their energy. Also, if they are not nursing, they will dehydrate much quicker this time of year compared to the wintertime. And baby calves, like lots of young animals, do not have a fully functioning thermoregulatory system and have difficulty regulating their body temperature in this severe heat. So overheating is very possible. Shade and fresh water are critical, so these calves must be kept in a pasture with good shade and wind flow. Fresh water is also important for these calves, because even though they are nursing, fresh cool water is required to prevent dehydration. If dehydration develops, their GI system shuts down, which leads to loss of appetite and further dehydration. Heat stress can reduce the amount of colostrum the cow produces for the calf, and calves born in this heat usually have reduced weaning weights. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season in the south zone opens this week. Jessica Domel has some dove hunting safety tips in today's wildlife report. Dove hunting season in the north and central zones is well underway, and the season for the south zone opens up Thursday. Whether this is your first season hunting dove or your 50th, there are a few steps you can take this year to help reduce the likelihood of a hunting-related accident. Steve Hall, Hunter Education Coordinator for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with a few dove hunting safety tips. We always like to remind people of the three most commonly either violated errors that occur during the dove season or the three most important safety rules. And one is point the muzzle in a safe direction at all times. Number two is stick to your safe zone of fire and communicate that with your hunting companions. That's the most common error in Texas a shooting on game outside of a safe zone of fire. You can determine your safe zone of fire by imagining a clock in front of you and you are standing facing 12 o'clock. A standard safe zone of fire for one person would be from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. Hunters should be especially mindful of this area and not swing or fire their gun outside of this zone while tracking a flying dove. 
Those hunting in a group or on a property with others should consider having a safety meeting before they hunt, pointing out nearby livestock, buildings, vehicles, and hazards, and another meeting if the hunt moves on to a new location. Lastly, is just making sure that you know where others are positioned in the field and where you and your group are positioned so that you're not shooting towards them and raining pellets down on their location. Hunters should also ensure that their firearm is fully unloaded before placing it on a tailgate or in a vehicle. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA released the latest crop production and supply and demand report on Tuesday, and it definitely affected the markets. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures started the day strong on Tuesday. We were as much as $2 higher in many contracts, but that couldn't hang on. As we moved throughout the trading session, prices started to fall. We ended up closing mix, some contracts higher, some lower. October live cattle down 7, 184.15. The December up 17, 188.45. While February live cattle were down 10 at 192.62. Same thing on the feeder cattle. September feeders down 90, 255.32. October feeder cattle down 20 cents, 261.25. While November feeders were up 15, 262.90. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Tuesday. Feedlots here in the Southern Plains asking 185 so far this week. Up in the northern plains, feedlots asking 190 on a live basis. Box B prices mixed Tuesday choice was up 24 cents at 310.35. Select down $1.72 at 283.72. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. This fella right here is Rodney Butler, Beeville Livestock. Sold them Friday. Rodney, how did it go? Uh, we got along real good. I thought the market was up and down in places, but I think it was due to the quality. Quality is selling right now, but unfortunately, they're not all number one, so right. uh, the market's up and down. Walk the pins with us. All right, we had 423 head of cattle, no horses or goats, but that whole market, I, I think it was pretty steady. You two to 300 pound steers were 205 to 265, heifers 226 to 245. 300 to 400 pound steers were 229 to 270 heifers 204 to 240 your 400 to 500 pound steers were 229 to 275 heifers 210 to 230 500 to 600 pound steers were 214 to 230 
heifers 203 to 220 your 600 to 700 pound steers were 206 to 225 heifers were $1.99 to 210 and your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.90 to two and a quarter and heifers were $1.77 to $1.98 packer cows are sure enough strong that old cow market and bull market is active your six cows were 63 to $1.11 stock of packer bulls were $1 to $1.26 Stocker cows brought seventy-eight to dollar fifty-five on some good, good tight bag. Breads were eight fifty-five to fourteen hundred, and our pairs sold from thirteen to fifteen fifty, sir. Calves come in; there'll probably be twenty-five to thirty of them. Charlotte calves, Charlotte and black calves. But other than that, I don't know of any cattle this is coming next week. I'm hoping it's going to rain. Good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, call me here at Cell Barn at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile six four five five thousand two. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you and take care. Uh, Neighbor, you take care also. We need you to come on back and listen to more Walking the Pins every Monday through Friday right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs were sharply higher Tuesday. October hogs jumped 272 to close at 85.27. December up 225.76.90. Class 3 milk was lower. September milk down 9 cents, 18.30 a hundredweight, with October milk dropping 45 cents, 18.05 a hundred. The cotton market closed slightly higher following USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand report out on Tuesday morning. They cut the size of the U.S. cotton crop by 860,000 bales, very positive, but they kind of offset that because they increased beginning stocks by 550,000. World carryout was cut by 1.64 million bales. October cotton up 52 points, 87.49. December up 52 points, 88.30. With March cotton up 57, 88.52 cents. The corn market got quite a surprise in the USDA report. No one expected USDA to increase acreage, but they did just that. Harvested acreage increased by 800,000 acres, putting a total U.S. crop estimate now at 15.13 billion bushels. That is just a tick under our all-time record of 15.14 billion, making it the second largest crop in U.S. history. September corn was down eight cents, four sixty-three and a quarter. December down nine and a quarter, four seventy-six and a half. With March corn down nine and a quarter, four ninety-one a bushel. The report was mostly neutral for the wheat market, but we saw a positive response in both hard and soft wheat. December Kansas City wheat up seven, seven thirty and three quarters. December Chicago wheat up three at five eighty-seven and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up 14 cents, 275. October West Texas crude up $1.67, 88.96 a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 40 points at 34,623. The Nasdaq down 149, 13,766. The S&P down 28 at 4,458. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.